You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm Dana Henschel, and I'm the Outreach Coordinator for Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. And as the Outreach Coordinator, I talk to a lot of people, and I am simply floored by how many people don't have a durable power of attorney and don't think they need one. So today, I'm talking with partner and attorney Chris Johnson to bust some of the myths myths about documents and explain why everyone over the age of 18 needs a durable power of attorney. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Dana. Thanks for having me. So just even a couple of weeks ago, I had this discussion with my friend who doesn't have a power of attorney, um, and he is under the impression that his spouse will be able to handle everything if he becomes incapacitated. Is this true? No, I. but your friend is at least in good company in that that's probably the most common misconception regarding powers of attorney. People seem to think that when you get married, you get vested with this special right where that you can act as if you were your spouse. And I I think it gets confusing because there are a lot of advantages of being married and there are a lot of things that come along with being married. You know, we have, you can file your taxes jointly, you can do certain things. And so you kind of have these benefits that come along with it. But people are very surprised to find out that legally speaking, you cannot just sign your spouse's name on documents. So we just, it's tax season. We just had tax day two days ago. Uh, Everyone needed to file their taxes by the 18th and say your spouse was incapacitated. They can't legally sign that form. And unless they have legally delegated to you the authority to sign those forms on their behalf, you're stuck. And when you're stuck, there's, there is a legal avenue to get it done. It's just expensive and painful. And frankly, for most married couples, it's just unnecessary. It's called a conservatorship. And in a conservatorship, you'd basically be going to the court saying, well, we don't have a power of attorney. And I need this authority, the well spouse would say, I need this authority vested in me so I can continue to conduct business and the affairs of my spouse because they're incapacitated, they're unable to. And so the uh, I feel bad every time I hear this uh, because I wish we could get rid of this misconception out of there because a lot of people are sitting at home feeling like, oh, I'm in pretty good shape, not realizing they really have this big blind spot in their planning. Exactly. And as I shared with him, I mean, married couples travel a lot together. They're in the car together. And what if they're both incapacitated? That's right. Oh, you just, well, you just hit the hammer on, you know, the nail on the head. The, uh, when, 
if they both become incapacitated, even if even if they are spouses, neither one of them can serve because the person who serves as your power of attorney has to have capacity. And so then you need to have what, what I like to call redundancy planning. So every power of attorney document that we do, we have a successor, a primary successor, a secondary successor. For all my clients listening out there, they know I like to have at least two backups. It's not always possible given everyone's unique family situations, but I press pretty hard because I tell all of my families, I want your plans to be able to survive the curveballs that life is inevitably going to throw your way. And I don't know what they will be, but when we build up a backup plan and a second backup plan, it really inoculates them against the really bad things that can happen. But you nailed it. Spouses travel together all the time. In fact, that is one of the biggest points when I'll have someone make so I have a husband and wife, and maybe they make each other uh, the primary successor, but they're elderly and, you know, at some point, or make each other the power of attorney. And one day, one of them is probably going to pass away. And then their successors are like a son and then a daughter-in-law, or a daughter and then a son-in-law. Well, that daughter and son-in-law, or the son and daughter, they all travel together. And we, you know, if something happened to them in a common disaster, we don't really have a good backup after that. So you have to think about those things and you have to look around those proverbial corners um, so that those bad events don't really trip you up a lot worse than you expected. Right. Another common misunderstanding I hear from families when I ask about power of attorney paperwork is they'll say, well, you know, mom or dad, they can make decisions for themselves. Uh, they're completely competent. So we don't need that paperwork yet. Uh, can you address why that thinking is flawed? Yeah, uh, it, it's flawed because Yes, they can make decisions right now, but we're not really worried about when they can make decisions. We're worried about what happens when they can't make decisions. And the problem is, if they get to the point, they lose that mental capacity where they can't make decisions, the odds are they've lost the capacity to sign documents. And so now that window to get this planning taken care of has closed and you're stuck. There's really no going back from that. And so the time to do these things is exactly when mom and dad can make decisions because it is their plan. When mom and dad do a power of attorney, that's part of their holistic planning. And we need them to be involved, to be engaged, to share what their wishes are, to share who they want to have, what authorities to help run their lives should something happen to them, but they can only do that while they have capacity, while they still can make decisions. And so you're not, I think a lot of people see it as, well, I'm taking these decisions away from mom and dad. The is the furthest thing from the truth that you could say. You are actually ensuring that you are keeping them in control because Either A, they're still able to make decisions while they have capacity. No one takes it away from them when you execute a power of attorney. But more importantly, if they do lose capacity, it is their hand-chosen, hand-selected successor to make decisions on their behalf who they probably took the opportunity to say, this is what I'd want. This is how I want you to handle this. That proper prior planning process it occurs because we're talking about these things. So that is the exact time you want to do this. Exactly. And you kind of address my next question. Um, a common pushback that 
people hear from family members is, you know, I want to be in control of my future. If I name you as my attorney, in fact, then I lose all control and I'm staying in charge. (laughs) Um, So can you kind of just touch on that a little bit more or perhaps, perhaps give families tools, discussion points that they can use with family members to explain that is not the case? Absolutely. So I'll hit kind of the simplistic version and then I'll, I'll kind of just inject a little bit of the legalese in there. The, the simple version is, and I, again, many of my clients have heard this certainly when, when it's pertinent, but whenever I'm doing a plan and I love having the planning done where I have mom and dad, mom or dad or both in the room and we have some or all of the adult children. So everyone's kind of engaged on what's going on. I feel like that's always the best result, the formula for a best result when you have everyone plugged in. But I will always make a point when we sign the powers of attorney documents to say, now, this does not make anyone the boss of mom and dad. And I'll look at my client and I'll tell them, you're still in charge. You're still the parent and they're still the kids. And the parents usually get a good chuckle out of that. And the kids kids are usually pretty funny about that as well. But I, I like to reinforce that, that just because you provide someone power of attorney authority, it doesn't mean they can make decisions against your will or make decisions that you don't want to have made. The power of attorney is there to assist. And so in the simplistic version, what you're doing is you're taking your legal rights, you're making a photocopy and you're giving a copy to your child or to your spouse and you're saying, hey, if I need some help, you have the ability to do these things as well. But as long as you have capacity, they can't overrule you. They're not, they don't suddenly become the boss of you. And so that legalese I was talking about is we have a term for it. It's called a fiduciary duty. When you serve as a power of attorney or as a trustee or as a personal rep in a will, but we'll keep it to powers of attorney today, that fiduciary duty of the agent, the person you give that authority, Two means they have to do what's in your best interest. And a lot of people will lose sight of that and they think, oh, I have power of attorney authority. I can tell mom and dad what to do. The furthest thing from the truth, uh, the mom and dad are still very much in full control of their lives. You are there to assist them, make their lives easier, make it better, and be able to carry out some things that maybe it is difficult or impossible for them to do in their name while still fulfilling their wishes. And so that is a critical point part of this is, no, a power of attorney, you do not lose control. And let's just say a uh, your agent, if you assign power of attorney authority to one of your children and you felt like they weren't doing what needed to be done, in the state of Tennessee, you can revoke that power of attorney verbally or in writing. So the minute you tell that child, hey, you're fired, you're not my power of attorney anymore, they lose that authority instantly. And now as an attorney, I would always recommend you call your attorney, tell them to formalize it and put that in writing. But that is the level of control you have. It is absolute unless you have lost capacity. And that that's a whole nother story. Okay. So let's say that you have convinced your family that getting these documents uh, are, is the right thing to do. Um, can they just go online and download them? <laughs> yeah, they can. They shouldn't. <laughs> and that is, I we see these all the time. Uh, people go in to the legal forms and you'll see people who got one for the wrong state because they weren't paying attention closely enough. Uh, that's always a mistake. They'll get one. You kind of, you know, get what you pay for. People will find a free download site. And really, 
could you get lucky and stumble across one that fits you? I suppose you could, but imagine you know going to the clothing store and and having no sizes on anything and you weren't allowed to try anything on you're just kind of grabbing stuff and hoping that it fits in 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 that case and now imagine doing that more or less with a blindfold on because you don't really understand the legal ramifications of all those clauses and that's what i really see is people will say well my neighbor has this or my my uncle or my brother or sister did this and so i'm going to do this but legal planning is not a one size fits all type of planning event. You need to have something that is very uniquely tailored to you and your spouse's situation, what's happening. And so there are certain authorities that someone might want in their power of attorney that another person might not want in theirs um, due to family dynamics, due to personal circumstances, uh, just due to life experiences. Some people feel have very strong feelings on things. And I always tell my clients, just because I think something is legally the most prudent course of action. Uh, the client has a say in their lived experiences and they say, well, I did it that way and I had a really bad feeling and I'd be uncomfortable with that. Well, that's something you have to take into account as an attorney because the whole part, a whole major part of doing a good estate plan is giving your client peace of mind that things are going to go the way they're supposed to go. And if you force them to do something because you think, well, this is just, this will be better for you. Well, if it doesn't feel better to them and it keeps them up at night, it really isn't. And what I always look for is to try and find that, you know, for a client that has a very strong feeling on stuff, something, and I have a strong feeling like, well, I want to make sure you're protected. I try and find that middle ground where I can make sure they, they still get the protections I want them to have, um, but I want them to be able to sleep comfortably at night. I want them to feel good about their plan. And that means you have to listen to your client. You have to hear what they've been through, what their experience experiences are, why they are feeling the way they are about certain big decisions. And so when you go online, they're reading these documents and most people never read through all of them and they just may not understand the major uh, decisions they're making by including a clause or not including a clause and how it affects their life. So they need to have someone who is an expert in that area walk them through the ramifications of you know electing to put something in or electing to leave something out and what that will mean for the future and the cascading it effect the cascading effect it'll have on their lives when big decisions come around the corner. Okay, so what I'm hearing you saying is. A power of attorney can be different for each person. Like there are different types of powers of attorney with different types of contingencies, different types of powers. Absolutely. And an attorney can help walk a client through that. Yeah. Do you, you want it? About durable. I've heard about springing. Yep. I mean, so durable are ones that survive your incapacity. So in Tennessee, a power of attorney, if you just have a general power of attorney, it's revoked by operational law if you lose capacity, which for most people, that's exactly when they need it. And so many people, the major, vast majority of our clients elect for a durable general power of attorney. And that means it'll stay in force 
after you become incapacitated. A springing power of attorney is one that's dormant until you become incapacitated, and then it becomes effective. And I talk to clients about the pros and cons. Some people, the springing kind of sounds good on paper, but in reality, springing powers of attorney can be cumbersome, difficult to work with, and usually it's difficult and cumbersome at the worst time because we have a family medical emergency of some sort. Um, There's something known as a special power of attorney. Special power of attorney that is, you know, uh, for a limited event, for a limited duration. I could give someone special power of attorney to sell my car, special power of attorney to sell my house on my behalf. Um, And I can put time parameters on it. There's all sorts of little different things you can do. Do you want to provide your your agent gifting authority? How much gifting authority? To whom can they make gifts to? You know, maybe you're someone who uh, has given consistent gifts to family members or friends or charitable organizations. And if you became incapacitated, you don't want those to stop, but you also don't want to give someone just this, you know, unlimited, they could just give it to anyone at any time. Well, that'd be a nightmare as well. And so you need to think about those things. You need to think about, okay, what is the right amount of gifting authority I want to give? But if you leave that gifting authority out, you're also going to potentially tie your hands for planning for tin care or all sorts of other things. And so you need to think about all of those little authorities and yes, tailor the right power of attorney to your circumstances. Great. Well, now that I have the perfect document, what do I do? Do I just stick it in my lockbox in my safe place? (laughs) That is a great question. So one, I do. I encourage every one of my clients, you don't stick it in a safety deposit box, but I do encourage them to, if they have a safe at home or if they don't have a safe to go get one of those little fireproof boxes, uh, at, you know, you can get it at Staples or Lowe's or something like that. Something so that it could survive, you know, a little bit of a disaster if something happened at the home. Um, but I also want to make sure that my agent, uh, if I, it's one that is effective immediately, I want my agent probably to have a copy of it at least. Uh, and so what I like to do is if the agent uh, needs one, we want to provide them a copy and they keep that in a safe place so they can act. I want to make sure that they have an electronic copy because no matter what we're doing in this world, our phone is never out of arm's reach. You know, probably the furthest your phone is ever away from you is when you're in the shower and it's probably two steps away on the bathroom counter. Well, you know, I keep a folder that has my parents' estate planning documents in them. And so I can quickly go to them. And if I need to access that document, someone calls me and says, hey, we have this issue going on, I can email the power of attorney to that person right away so that they will feel comfortable talking to me and understanding that I have the legal authority to do this. Because if they if they aren't sure you'll have the legal authority, they might not even want to really discuss the situation in any great detail with you. So it is important that you're able to have those at your fingertips. And so you don't want to bury it away somewhere. You especially don't want to hide it. I still every once in a while hear about people who are like, well, I got to keep my estate plan safe, keep my documents safe. So I've kind of tucked them away and hidden them. They're only good if they're found. And so make sure your family members know where to find them. A a lockbox is very good for the originals, um, but you want to have a working copy handy somewhere in a filing cabinet and certainly make sure your agent, at least your primary agent, has an electronic copy so that if they need to, they can jump into action. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for helping us uh, dispel some of these myths and misunderstandings. 
uh, about power of attorney documents. I'm very passionate about this and I get into conversations literally daily about it. So thank you. (laughs) That is perfect, Dana. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.